I'm Fathery. I'm Starfleet Foy. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 211th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 7, A Mathematically Perfect Redemption, written by Ann Kim and directed by Jason Zurich. Uh, before we get into that, though, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping, and first and foremost, I want to thank everyone who helps us out in the text trek patreon that means a lot to us if you're able to chip in a little bit each month it goes a long way to helping us cover the expenses that are required for us to continue to do the show so it's been a uh, real help and a kind of a just weight off of my shoulders this year uh, thanks to some of our patreon supporters because uh, you know with the StreamYard subscription, the uh, podcast hosting, the uh, the web hosting, it does add up. So thank you for, for helping us out with that. I just want to give a, a thank you to to you, Starfleet Boy, my lovely co-host, but also Kick is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, Quarksbar, John Dawes, and our anonymous supporters. Thank you all so much. And uh, if you would like to join our, our Patreon supporters, you can come in at various different tiers or different perks, but you can come in as little as two bucks a month. That will get you into our monthly episode watch parties we do. We're doing one very soon on Saturday, October 15th. We're watching the Star Trek Voyager episode, The Thaw. So uh, we are in the spooky season, the the horror movie time of year, you know, as Halloween approaches. So we're going to watch a scary Star Trek episode. If you don't re- remember, The Thaw is the one with the scary clown. Turns Harry Kim into a baby and other frightening things. And played by... Um... A famous actor, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael McKeon. Yes, yes. So very memorable role, very memorable episode. Also, uh, if you're checking us out live on Friday, then you need to come back in 24 hours tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central on Saturday because it is New York Comic Con tomorrow and there's going to be a lot of Star Trek news. There's going to be so much Star Trek news. (laughs) The entire TNG cast is going to be there united together on stage, all seven of the big seven uh, promoting Picard Season 3. I think it's a very safe bet we'll get a a new trailer for Picard Season 3 that will actually show us some of the story. We're probably going to find out who the, the big bad villain they've been teasing is. Uh, so I think that'll be a real delight. There's also going to be some Discovery stuff. So Nequa Martin-Green and showrunner Michelle Paradise will be present. And a ton of uh, Prodigy people are showing up. A lot of the voice actors and some of the writer-producers. So I think they're going to be giving us something to tease the return of Prodigy coming very soon on October 27th. And uh, yeah, we'll be covering Prodigy as well as the uh, the Lower Decks finale that airs that week and uh you know we'll, we'll just transition from a weekly lower decks show into a weekly prodigy show as is <laughs> kind of the way that we operate on text truck but but yeah so uh, 
if you just listen to the podcast, if you're not checking us out on YouTube, but you're listening to us somewhere else, then uh, you can find some additional coverage, some additional things we do over on YouTube, like the New York Comic Con uh, reaction and breakdown. We're going to go over any trailers, any clips, any news, stuff like that. So that's uh, definitely going to be a lot of fun to uh, to unpack all of that. I'm really looking forward to that. And if you're listening to this later, it should already be on YouTube somewhere. So just go uh, check that out on the Text Track YouTube channel. Um, but I think that's there's all of like, a... our, our news and everything. No, we got well, there's before. one more uh, piece of housekeeping, maybe a couple, actually. Uh, the first uh, order of business is that uh, we are 61 subscribers <laughs> away from 1,000 subscribers. I'm actually very confident that we're going to hit it uh, before the end of the year, so I'm not stressing too much. But if we can keep pushing, because we don't want to lose sight of the goal here, uh, friends, so please retweet all of Fathery's Text Trek subscribe YouTube-related tweets, and uh, please tell your friends about it. Send an email. You know, I do that. I'll, I'll send like an email saying, hey, you should check out this podcast. Uh, maybe to a friend who you know likes Star Trek that you haven't talked to. I think in a we long have what time. 85 days left in the year as of day of yeah, recording yeah, totally. today. So uh... I'm I'm sacrificing promoting Starfleet Boy <laughs> for this. I should be like, oh yeah, like go subscribe to Starfleet Boy. But no, yes, do if, not. if you don't know why he's so excited about this, my yes, my yes. least favorite. I was gonna say my least favorite song, but maybe my least favorite thing ever, just in in the universe, <laughs> is Faith of the Heart, the Star Trek Enterprise theme song that is god-awful and it's insane to me that all of a sudden a few years ago people were like oh i actually like it but uh can, if... can we do a star is born style duet father <laughs> you want to do a duet i think yes. this has to be this has to be like my uh my my cross to <laughs> okay to, fine yeah to carry, I agree. but if, <laughs> but if y'all can get us to a thousand subscribers before the end of the year on youtube i will sing that dreaded song so uh, I'll, I'll make a little special music video of myself singing it but yeah, if people want to help us out, you can subscribe on YouTube. Or if you want to be extra generous, you can join the Patreon. And uh, no matter what, we would love if you wanted to be part of the community we have over on the Text Rec Discord server. That's open right. to everyone. There's a, a link in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this. You should be able to access the Discord. So we'd love to stay in touch with you over there. But uh, yeah, so exciting things. Uh, New York Comic Con tomorrow. And then a Patreon watch party in a week on October 15th so right. uh, really cool stuff that was a lot of housekeeping <laughs> it was well let's get into our uh, our main our main topic shall we with uh with this episode a mathematically perfect redemption i'm gonna quickly recap it by reading the official synopsis and then i'll kind of expand on that with spoilers just to refresh it for everyone but the official synopsis reads a wayward starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption and that doesn't give away much but yeah that the wayward starfleet ensign is the one and only Peanut Hamper. We haven't seen her since the season one finale, No Small Parts. But yeah, we, we basically open on her point of view. We see what she's been up to, you know, stranded uh, after she turned her back on the Cerritos crew. And uh, we we follow her on her journey to a to a new planet to meet a, a new people and have the opportunity to redeem herself, only to, to refuse again. So, like I said, a lot of strong opinions on this. I think Peanut Hamper is a very divisive character it seems to be kind of a you either love her or you hate her type of thing and a, a lot of people feel strongly about both of those but uh starfleet boy i would just like to start with you can you tell us your opening statements just kind of give us your broad impression on this episode and then we'll get into the yeah, sure. specifics later well for me peanut hamper is the same as like uh you know um oh like kai win uh you love to hate peanut hamper like that's the kind of character they are they're so just completely it, you know peanut hamper 
is a narcissist. So if you want to know what like a narcissist is like, it's it's insanity. It's like peanut hamper. So you know, or Kai Win or Gul Dukat, you know, or who else? Uh, who else in the Star Trek uh, is the is the level of peanut hamper? Uh, but anyways, so so broadly, I would just say I really enjoy Peanut Hamper uh, as a character, and getting their own episode or her own episode uh, was a delight for me as a Peanut Hamper, uh, you know someone who enjoys that that character and then aside from that i was like totally interested in the uh you know the what how do they say themselves plurally father it's the errols or something like that i forget the errols i, I got it right All no right, cool. that's, I that's not get... right uh... <laughs> <laughs> i was just i was saying that with like a question mark like the, the errols like what are you talking about well i just loved it i love their whole little um you know baku like thing of like having uh you know left technology behind to live in this kind of peaceful uh you know society of 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 where everyone's it's kind of like a mini federation like everyone's needs are met everyone's like doing something there's i didn't see any money there or anything like that so i just loved that whole society and then raw dog was just hot I so wish... you're talking you're talking about rada and the the arior right so Arior, that's what they're called, you. the, the Arior, right? <laughs> yes, the Arior, yes. <laughs> On the planet Ariolus. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm choosing to call Radar uh, Raw Dog. So <laughs> but yeah, I, li- I like this episode a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to give it above the DS9 episode. Like, I'm not going to let this be the best episode of the season. I'm going to wait now. You know, I'm going to let DS9, like, kind of stay there. Uh, last week's episode. Um, what is it here? Uh hear everything trust nothing or what the yeah, title yeah. was yeah but this is like right underneath it or like maybe just slightly below it i love this episode it was it was hilarious this whole season so far is just delightful is the only way i can put it and i'm really happy i'm gonna disagree with you you said you're not gonna say this is the best episode of the season i am this is the best episode of the season this is arguably the best episode of the show i think it sits right up there next to wage douge they rival each other and the genius of this episode like wage douge is it takes the lower deck concept and applies it within itself you know a show that's about the unimportant people that don't get the spotlight very often that's what the original lower decks episode was on the next generation that that kind of started this whole kind of subgenre that like various tv shows you know they'd be like we need to do a lower decks episode and focus on you know our unimportant side characters they did a version of that in wage douche where we got to see the lower deckers on other ships and other fleets and then they do a version of it here with peanut wow. hamper who who i think is one of the best villains in star trek it's i like i i hated this character so much by the end of this and i i felt that betrayal that was so incredibly effective i've, I've complained i've mentioned it before you know i complain about sometimes that there's like these star trek lower decks misdirections that, that frustrate me when i see them coming i'm like they need to stop i remember the beginning of season <laughs> three saying they need to stop doing that they they rely on that too much and it doesn't work enough and it, it gets on my nerves and it doesn't work i i gotta stop that criticism immediately because it was so incredibly effective here and i totally thought okay yeah this is like the perfect setup i can't believe they're going to do the impossible and make me forgive peanut hamper make me like accept this character and oh that is so cool and genuine and then no they pulled the rug out from under me and and yeah i'm, I'm like left in tears like rada and and the cerritos crew who are all like disappointed and everything and and they they give the character just enough dimensionality that they can have like their totally shitty bad guy character but there's like enough substance there that you can still kind of plug in 
into the, yeah, it's like the original exocomp thing it was like the exocomps didn't want to just go die on the mission they wanted to, right. to live they That's want and true. so That's and so true. peanut hamper is like taking that to like the next level to like this very <laughs> selfish true. territory but it does make you think like yeah i can understand you know not wanting to carry that burden of having to be you know you have to sacrifice yourself for the rest of us like there's... i have to go i have to go back and watch peanut hampers for you know in the in the season finale for season one but when they did the flashback this time i was like wait a second you guys are setting this up for peanut hamper like you know like they're like they're like who can go into outer space without like a spacesuit who could do this like who could do that oh it's peanut hamper so like from from her perspective that was like oh shit this is like really shitty <laughs> like, I got... yeah and I, th- I think i think kether donahue did a did a great job carrying the episode with the, uh, with her <laughs> voice performance i love that they're they're swinging for the fences that they're they're going big that they're willing to like do like weird stuff like this uh so so thank you so much for for going boldly uh which is what i always want star trek to do rodar and peanut hamper must fight again (laughs) must fight (laughs) at some point there's got to be like a a war on top of that father the ship stuff was like super cool like i thought their uh ancestors ships were really neat i it made me wonder things like uh you know how long ago were they uh spacefaring and were they around during like the same time as like the takan empire or something like that star trek has this like ancient aliens before humanity reached the stars uh thing that comes up every now and then so these characters are kind of like a glimpse into that world i think or these like this civilization is a glimpse into that world well let's just go ahead and get to the episode breakdown you starting with the very beginning we get that previously on flashback that uh, takes us back to no small parts to the pack led attack on the cerritos uh you know the the clump ship has the cerritos and its clutches and yeah they, they need someone to go deliver if you don't remember, they need someone to go deliver Badgie over to the ship so that he can destroy it. And when Peanut Hamper refuses and beams out of the ship, Shax ends up being the one going over there with with Baby Bear Rutherford. But yeah, so we get to see her, you know, watching all of this. And you, you can kind of like get it from her perspective. She's like, oh, my God, they yeah. wanted me to do that. Oh, look, that ship blew up. The big guy died. Wow. So glad I didn't volunteer. And then when they're surrounded by the the other clump ships, Peanut Hamper is kind of like... Uh, you know, she's kind of validated because she was like, see, even if I had sacrificed myself, all these other ships still would have come and shown up. So, yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that. Of course, the Titan ends up, you know, rescuing the Cerritos <laughs> and Peanut Hamper is left alone in space. But I was like, well, yeah, they're actually doing a good job of, like, getting the audience to see things from Peanut Hamper's perspective. And that surprised me. I really liked seeing that same uh, battle from a completely different perspective. It was a neat thing like seeing you know the little tiny shuttlecraft crash into the packlid ship it was neat it reminded me of there was something like that in star trek discovery right in uh season two at the end isn't burnham just kind of like floating out there looking at the battle from like a different view than you, you than we're used to oh don't get like me started that. on such sweet sorrow part two <laughs> I, that was, I did not like that episode this is a much better episode of star trek but <laughs> that did have like some cool visuals in it though right but yeah, I liked, I liked seeing that, yeah. What do you think of the alternative opening credit sequence that we got? Like the sadder version of the Lower Decks theme as, as Peanut Hampers floating around lonely in space? Loved it. Loved everything. I, I was uh, remarking about this on our Twitter space thing, that it felt like a little bit like Generations. <laughs> you know, like it had that pacing to it or whatever, with Peanut Hamper floating around instead of like mm-hmm. a, a bottle of champagne. Uh, you're just going to bring up like all the uh, all the Star Trek I don't like. You got such <laughs> sweet sorrow. We got <laughs> Generations. <laughs> <laughs> wow father like you're so you're so censorous these days <laughs> uh, 
I did notice that they they showed Rutherford's old implant floating around among the debris. So I wonder if that's just to remind us that maybe that's how they're going to eventually bring Badgie back. Maybe he's like stored in the inside the implant. In the implant. And so, you know, if we're going to have like a some more evil artificial intelligence team up at some point, maybe maybe Badgie will will enter the fold and, and return to the show. Just throwing that out there. That's a really good catch. I like that. I think that is a that is going to happen. Badgie and Peanut Hamper have to team. It's like Gold Ducat and and, and uh, Kai Win. <laughs> That's awesome. And I <laughs> I think that epic. that doing like an alternative opening credit sequence like that it was a good way to you know let us know this was going to be kind of an alternative version of the show right we're going to see something from peanut hamper's perspective and i was watching this i was kind of hoping like oh i hope that we just follow this weird exocomp character the whole episode like wouldn't it be cool if we only see like the cerritos for i knew i knew like okay there's no way they're just gonna not have those characters show up at all like contractually i'm sure like tawny newsome and jack quaid have to maybe other people have to be in like every single episode uh but what if they only like show up for like one scene you know I i i loved also, like, having no idea what was going to happen next. They did a good job of, like, keeping this episode secret. We knew that eventually we were going to get to Peanut Hamper in Season 3. But, like, they didn't give much away. So, yeah, like, when I, I, I see uh, hiding out, trying to build her warp engine to get back to civilization, I was like, man, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen next. And that really excites me. I, lo- mm-hmm. I I heard some people complain about, like, yeah, this isn't, like, the show I want to watch every week. This isn't Lower Decks. This is, like, weird peanut hamper adventure show. I get that criticism, but to me, like, that's part of what excited me about it so much is it was kind of like, you know, watching that Next Generation episode, Lower Decks, and you're like, why am I following these lowly ensigns? Why am I not following Jordy and Riker and Troy and Worf? You know, why why am I focusing on these unimportant people, these uh, people that typically are just there to be in the background? And and. I think that there might be other ways that Lower Decks can explore that. You know, we did it in Wage Douge in Season 2. We did it with right. Peanut Hamper in Season 3. I, I wonder if they're going to try to do something like this again in, in future seasons. I think that would be really cool if they keep I that in so. mind. Yeah, that, 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 like, Lower Decks concept. Right. I hope they keep this concept going and this kind of, like, a tra- it becomes a tradition, like, one episode like this every season. Yeah, it, all those things. I agree with everything you were saying. It was pretty spot on how, about how I feel as well. I liked her line of dialogue. Uh, I hate Starfleet. What about the needs of the me? And the, the, the whole, like, the needs of the many and the needs of the few. Or whatever, I had to but... tweet that. That was so funny. <laughs> well, this is an, an homage to Castaway um, with Tom Hanks. I've never but seen that whole... movie Castaway, but I, I know I know about Wilson the Volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. So Sophia uh is is an exocomp made of like what was it? Like <laughs> like I guess like pieces of Yeah, um Peanut Hamper built a little friend Sophia, I guess as a companion, which foreshadows her own selfishness because then when the Drukmani ship but by, by the yeah. way, I love seeing the Drukmani again, but when they show up to, you know, harvest all of these scrap parts uh, she throws Sophia to the wolves, you know, right after being like, okay, uh, okay, friend, you know, we're in this together. And then she was like, oops, sorry, I gotta save myself. <laughs> I feel like uh, Tom Hanks's character would have done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it. an inanimate object, like it's not right. a sentient being. So. But it 100% does uh, foreshadow it. I, I didn't catch that upon watching it the first time i liked the warp rig that peanut hamper built yeah, you know, it had like a nacelle and then it has like a deflector dish in the front of it so i thought it was an interesting design in fact i would love to have an eagle moss model of this a peanut hamper strapped in to her <laughs> warp setup i i i 
appreciated that they had her like scrounging around looking for dilithium and uh, they added that little detail although it was weird to me that they said warp factor 0.02 or 0.03 it's like no this yeah. thing is like clearly like breaking the warp barrier like you're going faster than the speed of light uh, totally when she takes off and i also need to point out that the drukmani having them show up again it's more of lower decks using its own lore and its own creations there's right. a lot of that in this episode it was either new stuff or things that was established earlier in in lower decks another great cameo by jg hertzler which was awesome so that's always a good thing to bring back uh uh voice actors from the other trek series and there's another one later on <laughs> Uh, yes, but both of them are reprising characters that they had played earlier in Lower Decks. Uh, right, on Lower Decks. Not, not characters also. from yeah. other parts of Star Trek. Right, that's true. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, seeing her uh, escape from her little makeshift home and then crash on this planet and wake up and not know where she was. This is when I was like really plugging in. I was like, yes, yes, I love this. I'm excited. I'm I'm thrilled because I have no idea. You know, we, we see so much stuff ahead of time. You know, we see like the trailers and then like the preview images and all kinds of stuff. And we spend so many hours, you know, on the internet speculating and theory crafting and trying to forecast what's going to happen. And I just love, you know, plugging into a story like this and being like, yeah, tell, tell me what happens next. I have no idea. Uh, when she wakes up around the, the little owl children, which one was like really cute when she's like, "Oh no, the space box has awoken." But like the way she said, "like awoken" was like an owl, like awoken, <laughs> like like ooh, ooh. like it was a uh, it was funny. It was funny. It was cute. There she meets Clitoris, the village leader. Uh, That's Cl- not his name. <laughs> what is it then? It's raw raw dog and Clitoris, right? <laughs> Okay, it's fine. No, tell That's me, his tell name. me his real name. Tell me his real I name. I can't name it. I can't remember now because <laughs> you replaced it. I had it in. My, I had it. It's like Clyderus, or <laughs> I think it's Clyderus. All the things named on this planet are like really, uh, but really perverted. <laughs> I think it's Clyderus. I think he says his name is Clyder. Clyderus. <laughs> oh my gosh, Father! I have to mute my video. <laughs> Because I can't stop laughing right now. Kaltoris is how you actually Kaltoris. say it. Oh Father of Raw Dog. Uh, I hope no one from the writer's room is watching this. I'm well, they, they're the ones the who came up with all characters. this shit, so blame it on them. <laughs> uh, Do you know what, though? The like To get serious for a moment, though, you know what I actually thought they were doing with him? Is that uh, I, at first like I couldn't tell who the voice actor was. I think it's Paul of Tompkins, right? It might have been. But oh, okay. at first, I was like wondering, is that John Billingsley? Because you know, originally he he thought he was yes. gonna play Doctor Flocks as like a bird character. <laughs> yes, and it kind of oh, sounded like <laughs> it kind of sounded like his his bird voice that he 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 thought he was just gonna play like Doctor <laughs> Flocks, like this guy making all these weird bird noises. And then when they started shooting the first episode of Enterprise. Uh, like the the director told him like uh, John stop fucking around and so uh, he's like oh okay that's I guess I'm not supposed to be like a bird like alien <laughs> I would have oh that's a great idea for a cameo but also how cool would it have been if Flocks was like an Aureli Aurel- oh, I can't say it anymore <laughs> Aurelian Aureli no those are from T O an Areola Areola <laughs> the Arior Arior, thank you. You're making me start to forget Arior. how to pronounce all of this stuff. <laughs> we should have a master list for this one. Wait, you do. Hold okay. <laughs> so the, the actual name is Kaltoris of Arior, right? Okay. That's We're right. Good. And okay. he's the main guy. Yes. He's the Father chief. of Ralda. 
<laughs> yes, the, the village leader. Who I'm in love with, by the way. The only thing I don't want is... The only trait I thought was unattractive about Radar was that he cries after, Ralda. Uh, after sex. Ralda. 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 R-A-W-D-A. He cries after sex, and that's not very attractive to me. But it's okay. I, I understand if people are emotional after <laughs> sex and need to cry. And, uh, you know, I guess I could live with it. I could With all his other wonderful traits, I guess I could live with him crying after sex. It's okay. <laughs> well, the thing that did, I guess, bug me a little bit here when we first get our introduction to the village and Kaltoris is when he pulls out the knife. And it kind of makes you think like, oh, I'm going to attack Peanut Hamper. Or at least it wants you to think that like he's thinking that. But then he's like, oh, no, I was just trying to clean you off. It's like, ah, uh, come on, Lower Decks. You're doing like that misdirect thing that I see coming. Uh, but, you know, later the episode would make me eat those words. But but yeah, do you want to like get into like the life in the village and stuff that we get? You know, he kind of takes her on a little tour. And, you know, he's all excited. He's like, oh, look, I got like this you know strange new visitor from, from an outer space. Let me show you our our society and she's just like so like disinterested <laughs> but uh i i noticed that she had like the line about like her android intuition you remember she says something like uh she's getting like the you know feeling everyone hates her uh her android intuition is telling right, her that right androids are like when robots look like humans it's not just like any robot is not an android so peanut hamper you're not an android maybe peanut hamper like uh sees themselves as like some kind of humanoid uh like maybe they think they have a projection unit that's broken or something and so they have no idea that they're not projecting this like false image of a humanoid <laughs> maybe the term android just changes in the in the future but yeah the, the line shortly after that when she realizes like oh like you never have contact with like off-world people like the federation never comes here nothing like and she just says like fuck and he's like, fuck, what does that mean? And she's like, oh, it's just something we space folks say when we're stranded on a backwater on a planet backwater, with no yeah. culture. And he's like, oh, yes, <laughs> fuck indeed. <laughs> and it's like, I love the bleeps. I love that they bleep out the curse words on Lower Decks. Because if they hadn't bleeped those, it wouldn't have been nearly as funny. Right. No, that like is a, part of the humor. Yeah, a big part of the humor is coming from the language being kind of taboo. So that, that adds uh, so much. That adds a layer. It's weird to me that <laughs> I think some people, they complain about the bleeps. Like they, they've, I, I think some people feel like they're missing out on something like like they're being like there's additional content that's being withheld because of the bleeps but like no that's like an enhancement like that's like by design father what's your take on the human thing um you know captain kirk asserts that everybody's human right like it doesn't matter if you're a klingon or a romulan like everybody's human i know he was just joking but um humans have feet exocomps have feet hamper is a human i think hamper is a non-human person that's how i like to yeah we'll say it. that peanut hamper has personhood but not human if you were friends with peanut hamper would you would you call them ham hamp just like hamp i wouldn't be friends with peanut hamper <laughs> yeah i, I, I would call her a <laughs> fucking asshole is what, I, is what i would call her <laughs> same <laughs> uh, but you kind of see her kind of start to to soften a little bit after um, this is why the betrayal is so good yeah after she meets um <laughs> ralda or raw dog Starkly boy likes to call him. He's my uh, episode husband, by the way. I don't know if you. I forgot to post that. I'll do it tomorrow so that the UK people get to catch up. Well, you don't really have like a ton of options in this episode. No, there's a lot of this whole society was pretty cool overall. All the, I didn't see all the a lot bird of people. Fear. They had. Did you see the, like the ninja owls? That yeah, like the, the like the badass like royal guards yeah. or whatever. With, royal like, the, guards. Yeah, yeah those like, guys fighters. looked cool. Yeah, as always, Lower Decks does a great job on the backgrounds, like the 
not just like the backgrounds themselves, but like background characters. There's so much right. thought and effort put into all of the art. There's also a lot of diversity show. among all of them. Like there's different types of what I would call like we, I'm just comparing them to Earth owls, but there's like you know Midwestern looking owls. <laughs> like you can see that there's yeah they're not like cookie type. cutter. It's not like yeah they're not cookie. It's not cutter. like they just like have like, like one model and they're just like okay just like draw like a bunch of this. Like yeah. they they all look there's like, like barn individuals. owls. There's like a uh, burrowing owls. You know like that kind of thing. There's like a lot of diversity and <laughs> and they all have different like plumage types and stuff like that radar was just like super hot i love the the voice performance for for radar by the way because he's like he kind of has like that teenager voice like you know like the youthful part where he's like but dad i don't want to show this machine around like i i I don't know i like the way that they they handled that and (laughs) he sounded older to me he sounded more like well i guess that character is a teenager but he you you know like uh uh i guess to me he sounded like a a guy in his like early late teens or early 19s like already like doing the work you know like he's working in the hatchery you know and he like goes around and he does princely things i don't know if he's a prince what is what was he he's like a uh he's ne- second chief. next in line to be village leader is the term that's the so terminology like the they leader. use yeah exactly so as the second he goes around doing a lot of like like very you know very good like, i like that i like that oh things. yeah like yeah. i'm i'm meant to be the leader but i'm gonna go like milk the the flying goats right. and stuff right, right, like right, that. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's very like involved in all the things that the village needs. That's what I love about this too, is like, you really get a sense of the society. It does remind me a lot about the Baku. I love the Baku. And the There's Baku a village. one major difference like, yeah. with, between them and the Baku though, is that like the Baku like went and found like their paradise planet and then gave up their technology. I think these people are still on their home planet because they're on the world where everything evolved with wings. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Or the or wherever the it, what looks like happened to me is like uh, their species was like a a spacefaring like amazing like a empire of some sort. And I never got any like imperialistic vibes from them. Like if you go and look at his wall, well, well, I guess when we get to the wall ca- cave paintings, I could point out what what I thought was suggesting all that stuff. But regardless, yeah, wherever they are, they left behind all that and they chose this. They worked to make this life happen. So it's. It's like the Baku in that way, I guess, right? Because the Baku had warp and, you know, right. And, and I I just think like... I just think that's like an important difference that like they these people like decided to go back to where they came from instead of right. like the Baku. But I I forgot that like exocomps like their thing is that they have a a replicator on the front of them okay. and they just like make whatever they need. Uh, so they actually explore that really really interestingly here in this episode where peanut hamper is like making tennis balls you know when she's bored just right. bouncing them off the walls right like, he's able to like make candy for the the children it gets really popular with the kids really fast and and then when rada is kind of showing her around showing her the ropes of what life is like in the village you know we we see her able to you know kind of apply that to stuff like milking the goats uh, but we we see that like the when they got flying pigs flying turtles the the snakes the sky snakes that was a funny line of dialogue. Like, why do you call it a sky snake? Wouldn't it just be a snake if everything flies? Like, <laughs> so no, we have we have seen when pigs fly in Star Trek. Everything has a beak, which is interesting too. Yeah, everything has beaks and wings. I guess even with the uh, with the beak, the the sky snake must still have like some teeth, right? If it's able to like bite into you and, and give you its venom. Yeah, or look at it's uh, the tip of its beak is like a different color, so maybe that part is venomous or something like that. We see Peanut Hamper kind of reconnect with some of her Starfleet roots because she was in sickbay with Tindy back That's in right. in no small parts. So she was a medical officer, and then 
when Rod is like, oh no, my dad's about to die. She's like, oh yeah, he just needs this anti-venom that I just replicated. Let me uh, hypospray him real quick. Oh, by the way, I noticed you were low on like every vitamin ever. So <laughs> I, I gave you, uh, you know, some supplements and yeah, so she's really popular. You know, she becomes like the, the village doctor, even though that's kind of gross totally. because we hear uh, Doyle describe his, uh, now that the stomach worms have been cured, his fecal matter has gone back to being... <laughs> Oily and white. <laughs> As he's wiping this clay on himself, too. <laughs> yeah, well, he's funny. covered in something oily and white. Oily and so. white. <laughs> like, what is exactly is that? <laughs> like, what are they making? But yeah, I love this hatchery uh, scene. This was cool. Oh, yeah, the, the incubation hut. Yeah. Yeah, I loved Rada being like, uh, yeah, like, life is so scary and painful. You know, like, all these hatchlings, like, we have all these these precious eggs but many of them won't survive the hatching process and peanut hamper is like oh look at my advanced technology we'll have all the hatchlings survive it's interesting i wonder if owo grew up on a place in a place like this because essentially these are like they're choosing to be ludites it's interesting that peanut hamper did bring up a really interesting question which is like they once were spacefaring and it's like they left everything behind and started from scratch uh, and decided for some reason uh, the technology was bad and, and that like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it seems kind of dumb. It's like, man, like, you know, if you didn't give up your technology, like you wouldn't have to worry about like all your babies. Right. <laughs> you think, if they're going to survive or not. Like, you you know, like right. most societies, I think, would kind of value uh, infant mortality. Like, yeah. Or a little small boon, just enough, you know, like a little boon to the civilization to help grow. You know, not not too much to be uh, <laughs> uh, resource uh, heavy, but, you know, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, it did feel like an idyllic place at the same time. I would say that, like, you know, it was a happy, happy-seeming place. It wasn't, like, a place stricken with any kind of sorrow that I could see. Like, everything seemed to be tended to. You're right. Like, it does seem kind of, a uh, you know, peaceful and, I guess, a little bit, like, Paradise Syndrome type, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say utopian, but it seems nice in its own way. And I, I actually think, you know, Peanut Hamper might have been tempted to, uh, you know, try to try to fit in, try to stick it out. It's, I, I wonder if she hadn't have seen like this other option of like, oh, I possibly have a route off world. You know, how would she have uh, continued to to fit in here in the in the village? But yeah, I, I guess we should talk about like the uh, the Peanut Hamper romance. And then it kind of explores some of the, the secrets of, of these people. But after uh, Vralda and, and Peanut Hamper, you know, they started spending time together. I think it was like after the incubation hut when when he sees her. He, he warms to with her all those there. babies. Very, yeah. Uh, actually, I wish Rachel was here because that's very much uh, kind of like a uh, like a, you know, Edwardian romance yeah, and some of her like where, classic ro- yeah. <laughs> romance literature territory, like a like a Darcy thing, almost but, twisted. Yeah, they're able to they're able to play it for humor really well. The uh, when he when right. he says, you know, when I'm with you, my heart is just full of song, and then when she's like, sing for me, Rada, and then he's when he's just, she's like, oh my god, you scared the shit out of me. Why why are you still doing this? Just stop, stop. <laughs> That was, that I was thought great. the song that was, was going to be beautiful, by the way. This caught me off guard. I thought he was going to be like, or there was going to be, I thought there was going to be like a musical number like, you know, Peanut Hamper, I'm in love with you. Oh, that would have been, like, been weird. You know? I'm glad they didn't. I, I, I love what we got. No, Kaka is perfect. the best thing ever. Kaka was perfect. I agree. <laughs> but I, I think the episode, you know, I think it might have lost some people with uh, the, the love scene that happens. After. Yes, that's what I heard. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people were complaining. I was surprised and I'm sorry. I want to be respectful. But I, I was just to me, it was it was 
just too funny no it was hilarious and and you know i didn't i, I was like oh my god they're really gonna do like a romance between these <laughs> characters like okay and then like right after like i my brain has kind of wrapped itself around that concept it's like oh they're actually gonna gonna show them getting after it so that was that that just made me crack up so much just the the audacity the 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 just the the sheer uh aud- the sheer fucking hubris of wanting to do this in star trek uh I love that. But the, you know the the dialogue uh, the whole time. Uh, long have I long have I longed for the touch of your nozzle. <laughs> and when she's like, uh, when he's like, our parts are different, and she's like, yours are complicated. But right, because because he would have a cloaca. I, I don't is... know what that is, but yeah, I knew like it's like bird, birds this, are weird. This... So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but when she says we're just we're just gonna have to wing it. That made right. me crack up. I laughed out loud at that so hard. And they, they do kind of have like a heart-to-heart moment. You know, he talks about like, you know, it's he's under a lot of pressure, expected to, you know, measure up to his dad, and he has to come here and like be alone. And she talks about like her daddy issues. Yeah, that's true. How that's true. he he had like these high hopes for her. She just wanted to like run off to Free Cloud and be a Dabo girl. Do you believe this part? Because uh, Peanut Hamper's like a duplicitous kind of lying type of character. But I believed, I, I don't know, I want to believe that this was like the real peanut hamper just for a minute, like coming. Through. No, that's a great thing to bring up. I think that there was probably <laughs> a combination of like, she, I think some of these feelings probably were sincere, but also she's like, okay, this guy is next in line to take over. He, you know, be a pretty good catch. You know, I think she's always gonna have like that selfish nature, but I think here, like, like an opportunistic, right? Well, I mean, like we know that she's lonely, nature, right? Yeah, she exactly. built a little right. miniature Sophia. Like we know that she wants companionship right you know she she didn't like being stranded alone she that her kind of her whole struggle here is like oh i'm not gonna be able to fit in with these people i need to get back to like normal society and so i think it part of her yeah what would have been willing to you know kind of settle uh we we don't see exactly like where that line is drawn and i think that's also a, a, a fun thing because we can kind of speculate okay like at what point does she actually you know go full in on the betrayal i think it is shortly after that's after the first uh love making scene uh it's not too long after that, that we get the uh, shot of the what you were talking about the the cave drawings and kind of their secret chamber. There, there's a lot of planets and a lot of like ships and a lot of explosions, like depicting lots of battles. And he even describes that. Yeah, I they think. were they were in yeah. conflict with other spacefaring people, and that's why they right. that's why they gave it up was because you know they yeah, were at so wars with I'm, people. I'm going to be excited to learn more about these guys uh, because. You know, it's really? cool. Lordex could, yeah, Lordex could play with the that era of the Iconians and the Takan Empire and stuff like that in interesting ways, where we see like the excavations of those things. Like, I like seeing it this way. the The past is always cool when it's like shown from this like archaeological standpoint. Like, this is a TNG thing, you know, like going after the the DNA clues, you know, across planets and stuff like that. So, I I like this. It could you talk be about the chase. The chase, yeah. This could be like a, a the start to like a chase. It could go nowhere. Also, they they stand alone as as a perfect episode. But I love these guys. I I want more of the Aurorians, Aurorans, Orans, <laughs> Ouroboros, <laughs> Twelve Monkeys, the Ar- <laughs> Arior, Arior, right? You're, Arior, you're, thank you. I want to see. Is more that even, you're, you're like you're making me like doubt it every time I say it now. Also, it'd be neat if now that now that like um uh, uh Rada, <laughs> Rada, Rada is taking over. Like as he gets more into it, and he obviously showed them that they shouldn't fear technology. Like it can be used to fend off you know mm-hmm. uh attacks and stuff like that. They can still maintain their life. And again, 
from from my observation they're very federation like already they'd fit right in you know they already have a very like whatever the federation is that type of society they're already kind of like that in a mini scale so i think they can they're nice and peaceful and and undemocratic they just make like the the village leader's son the 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 next leader i noticed like the wedding was well attended like for example like they were very accepting like there was a little bit of friction about peanut hamper but like overall like they really kind of welcome peanut hamper especially once peanut hamper like became like the doctor and you know started healing people and had like a value to the she even kind of makes fun of them for that like like y'all thought i was like the weird space box you know everyone was scared of me but like now now you all remember my name now you all know i'm called peanut hamper (laughs) she does she does you know we we give peanut hamper a hard (laughs) time like yeah like you know we we give her a lot of shit for being such a a terrible person but i mean there are times and like okay like she is kind of a victim in, in some aspects right but I don't, I don't know if we need the Arior, like, backstory explored again. I, When I watched this, I just assumed that, okay, this is probably the only time we'll ever see them. They're just, like, a Planet of the Week-type alien species, you know, like, that Star Trek does frequently. But I, I suppose that, you know, they have that option. You know, if, if Lower Decks has shown us anything, it's that, like, uh, you, it, it's never too late to, like, go back and as obscure or esoteric uh, some deep cut might be. It's always possible for some future installment of star trek to you know bring it back or shine a light on it again by the way we get like another love making scene after they get like the uh the cave back i like what he says too because and... she she can't stop thinking about her betrayal to starfleet and and i like what he says he says well then i'll have to make you forget and then like every, every time that they're that they're having sex it cuts to like the the flying turtles flying around Tur- which is like turtle turtle dove is like like a like, yes. that's like represents like love, love right thing, yeah. so yeah, so exactly. yeah the, the winged turtles must be like turtle doves so that's that's kind of the the joke it's there. brilliant and there maybe they're even sea turtle doves, which is even more exciting. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some people couldn't get over the the magatos and magato gamato that were having some some fun time outside of the the log that poor Boimler and Rutherford were were stuck in. But yeah, this you, didn't cross those lines. But I, I like that too. I think the show like it doesn't go it doesn't go into like that territory too often. Like when it does it like this, you know, it feels kind of like out of place and shocking, but in like a good way. That I think uh, adds I was to the shocked, comedy. I'll, I'll admit that, but it was in a funny way. Yeah, it made me laugh. It, it was, yeah, I was, I was like laughing. It. I was like, "Oh my god!" The like, <laughs> we're just gonna have to wing it. Like that line killed me. <laughs> and, and then, the, and then immediately after that, kind of like plays it, you know, serious <laughs> with like the the wings forming the shape of a heart, and then you you have like a little bit of like the pillow talk after, where they're just laying on the field talking to each other, and just yeah, I don't know. That that cracked me up. I'm sorry if it's too uh i guess crude or vulgar for some people but i i think it was tasteful in its way i thought so too but yeah i guess we should talk about the uh the wedding and then the wedding being crashed <laughs> by the drukmani scavengers but we get like that cool montage that shows that some time has oh, it's like a time lapse right yeah. like, it, it actually looked like a time lapse it was cool yeah it was yeah we know, it goes from like but... winter to spring so we don't know exactly how right. long peanut hamper was here or how long she was you know stuck in space uh, eventually, you know, we we get caught back up to the normal timeline where the rest of the show has been. Now, Peanut Hamper has gone back to like Exocomp uh, uh, prototype colors. Yeah, she she has like a too. bronze color, like it yeah. kind of like matches like a lot of like the earth tones, you know, like the the woods right. and and stuff of the. But also, weren't they the like village. that on TNG? Weren't the Exocomps on TNG like that also? No, I they think they were they were like black uh, and gray. Oh, okay, okay, but more metallic. They yeah, they were more metallic. She almost has kind of like a kind of like a wood type look wood yeah but before she was 
she was like a she was wearing like a Starfleet uniform. She was, that was painted like her, blue yeah, to be a medical blue, officer. Yeah, interesting. With a yeah, little Starfleet right. Delta that she brings back right. in this episode. Right. But she also has like a like a wedding bell and like a, a bird and a beak. beak now. Which yeah, she like replicated a beak, I guess, uh, to, to blend in. But of course, the uh, the wedding That's is delightful. is crashed by the Drukmani scavengers, and you know I totally didn't see the twist coming. So when Peanut Hamburger says they must have tracked my my signal to here, and that's why they're here, I was like, okay, that makes sense. They are, they beam or no, they don't beam down. They come down in a shuttlecraft, which I think is weird. But then Peanut Hamper uses the shuttlecraft to do kind of her kamikaze run on their ship in a moment. So maybe it, like in her message to them, maybe she said like you should come down in the shuttle first because you know she was thinking okay if I do all of this just right I will show everyone look I'm a big badass hero Starfleet will forgive me I'll be able to get off this world uh, you know that's her plan uh, but yeah I totally you know I I I thought you know what Rada and and the the rest of the villagers must have been thinking when the Drukmani start ripping up the trees and pulling the ships up from under the ground. And Peanut Hamper is like, uh, oh, no, like, uh, I need to help protect all of you. This is my fault. Let me do something about it. You know, I totally bought into all of that. Right. Me, too. It was awesome. And, and it's an awesome sequence, too. The whole thing, like, felt really tense, you know, but in a, in a good way, like in a in a in a fun way, almost, <laughs> you know, seeing a ship battle is always fun. She has that that hero moment where, when she's talking about the the goods of the many and the goods of the few. And he's. Rod is like, you're not even a few, you're just one. And she's like, no, I'm Starfleet. And she replicates a little Delta badge back on herself. And I was like, okay, look, they're going to do Peanut Hamper Redemption. And I think the title of the episode is such a good title. It's all a show. Cause it's all a show. <laughs> a, a mathematically perfect redemption. It's like, it's yeah, true. like she calculated like this would be like an ideal redemption for me. You know, it's like how a computer brain would look at it. She's like, I'll I'll send out a distress call to Cerritos, get them to come there. I'll pilot the shuttle. And it's like, this is what they expected me to have done way back in season one. I'll I'll do it now. Do you think Vul- a Vulcan would easily have kind of done what Peanut Hamper did? <laughs> they seem to be in on Enterprise. I mean, they're not. They're very logical, like to an extreme almost. Uh, on Enterprise, they're very like assholes. Uh, uh, yeah, Enterprise Vulcans to the point where they. In season four, they had to do like a whole episode to like fix the the or a three episode arc to fix the Vulcans, but they did it. Manny Cotto did it. He pulled it off. That's fixed true. Enterprise. Uh, shame he didn't get uh, opportunity to do more than season four. But I liked exploring the Vulcans when they were in uh, in a turmoil. But we're not talking about that. But regardless, it, it I I guess what I was saying is like I felt like that's how how I feel like sometimes Vulcans make decisions. They'll like say like oh no like. Uh, this many people will die or this many we just have to get, do this whereas captain kirk or like a human or like you know someone with more like um well yeah the, empathy perhaps yeah it's like or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few like that i mean that was literally from spock so right yeah right, but he learned spock learned that sometimes the the good of the one so that's what peanut hamper has to learn is when to balance it like when is it time to be you know selfish <laughs> and when is it time to be selfless but peanut hamper has no idea peanut peanut hamper is just selfish like period <laughs> and i love the the larger i guess moral here of i think like the the, the heart and meaning of the episode is that you know redemption is possible like it, people can be redeemed people can make up for their wrongdoings but it's still up to them to actually earn that and so i think i think who you know, most of us, you know, we'll always like get the opportunity for redemption, but it's still up to us to make that happen. And, you know, right. Peanut Hamper clearly had the opportunity here. 
Uh, she did such a good job, you know, setting this up. Like she could have just actually have gone through with it, but but no, like she had to uh, betray us in the end. I I did like when when she does finally contact the Cerritos, and it's like, oh wow, it's actually like the show that you know I'm used to watching every, every week. It's okay. And then the, here's where the, I didn't know like these words are going to be like hard for people to pronounce, but this is when when Boimler is having a hard time with uh, Ariolus. Hey, take a look at this interesting thing going on here. Other than Rutherford, everyone is on the uh everyone else is on the bridge right now that's pretty cool yeah that that actually bugged me i was like why is rutherford and tindy on the bridge i can kind of understand oh like, i do see oh sorry i didn't see rutherford is there and Ten- i can yeah. understand tendy she's a science officer now she's a you know she's up it there just seemed weird that like all four bridge. of them would be on the bridge at the same time i love it but... it's a hero shot every episode's given us this kind of like heroic shot and i love it this is a frameable as far as I'm but concerned. no that's... one listening knows what the hell you're talking about i know <laughs> sorry i keep doing that Fathery will remind me. Sorry, audience. <laughs> Anyways, what we're seeing here, uh, audience who's listening at home on their radio, I hope, which is kind of cool. Uh, on a subspace a, radio, a, I hope. On a subspace radio, yeah. Is an image of, like, just kind of everyone who's had, like, a highlight this season on the bridge. And it's just a cool-looking image. But it's true. What would lead them all to be there? That's the question. There's a whole adventure that that's we, going on. We, that yeah, we, we haven't seen of. them the entire episode. Yep. So they're like, let's just put everyone in yep. the in one shot at the very beginning. That's pretty cool, too, that there's an episode that was going on right before Peanut Hamper contacted them. And that was where they were at in that episode. And just in my in my head canon. It's interesting to me that they have uh, Mr. McLemo on the bridge when we, when we first see the Cerritos and see the people on the bridge when they get the message from peanut hamper i was like oh they're gonna have him you know be part be part of the landing party or something he's gonna he's gonna talk to these fellow bird people at some point but he never does so that was a little weird that that didn't happen oh uh fathery what could be going on is like migly mo could have been conducting like an ensign training of some kind like a bridge training and that's why like because he's already like uh, mentoring he's, Tendi, maybe he's like he's mentoring all of them. Yeah, ma- maybe he's mentoring all of them. Well, like, we we that's occasionally like... do see uh, Boimler at the helm and Mariner at ops, like that. That right. has happened before. Um, it's just kind of odd to see uh, Tindy and Rutherford standing back there for uh, whatever reason. I, I get it, like Tindy might be up there doing science officer stuff, but not sure about Rutherford. You know more about naval tradition, but sometimes, like when you serve on a ship, like when the captain gets promoted, like sometimes the people who are like the bridge ensigns get promoted to like the bridge lieutenants, and like so everyone kind of stays the bridge, on the bridge lieutenants. And just keeps yeah or like you know whatever like you know like like everyone just keeps getting promoted until someone else is the captain so i feel like do you think mariner would be a good captain to succeed uh uh captain freeman if she gets if she gets a sovereign class let's say, um or something like that i mean i don't know why it wouldn't be ransom i don't know why it would be an ensign instead of the first officer who gets promoted well, but what if ransom wants to go to the sovereign like what if that's the move he wants to make like he could be a riker to the freeman yeah you know, like, that... he could be like that you know uh i would want to follow i personally i don't want to captain a ship i would love to be the first officer they get to be the the best friend of everyone on the ship it's like the best job isn't the first officer also supposed to like punish the the crew whenever like you got to dish out some discipline so yeah but you can always blame the captain you Uh, never take the heat like it sorry i know this is rough but the captain has given me no choice but you know what i'm gonna wash the dishes with you that's what a good first officer does and Riker totally would do that and i ransom might not but he'd be more like going to go see true olivia or something like that you know his friend true olivia (laughs) i've 
completely lost track of what we were talking about in the episode. <laughs> Father, have I have I derailed your discussion? No. <laughs> uh <laughs> well we're just on the uh we're just on the peanut hamper saves the day sequence fathery oh when she does uh go into the drukmani ship and overload their engines i love that the the jg hertzler drukmani the the drukmani captain he he turns around all confused he's like what the fuck is going on and i <laughs> I, I need him to get an f-bomb in every episode i i assume he's going to show up again someday i hope he does it's kind of ambiguous if he survives the end of this one or not but i i, I think it'd be very easy to bring him back because in the uh episode he was in previously he tells freeman and he says like fuck you and she's trying to like calm him down <laughs> and i remember laughing at that two years ago so i need him i need him to just have f-bombs every episode he's in but yeah we we think that peanut hampers saved the day the cerritos crew beams down they have like this whole conversation of like we're not going to let you take peanut hamper to a penal colony and they explain you know what all just transpired and freeman's like oh yeah we you know i don't know what we're gonna say in our report but we might be able to write something up and you know i, th I think that we can forgive you and all of that so it looks like we're gonna have like you know this this happy ending and get peanut hamper back on the ship and maybe with you know maybe rada will will join her on the cerritos you know they have a brief conversation about like could she bring her husband along and and peanut hamper's like oh rada i don't i could never ask you to leave this paradise but he's like oh anywhere with you would be a paradise we quickly see that she's probably just trying to uh get him to stay because she doesn't actually want to to drag him along with her but right. uh, the, the the truth comes out i guess we should like get into like the the ending and the the actual truth of what's going on but the drukmani turns out these sh these ships are still functional the drukmani take over uh, one of the the ancient ships and it has powerful weapons that are just uh blowing up the the village huts that are attacking the cerritos the you know the drukmani the thing about them is like when you piss them off it's very hard to like talk them down get them to calm down they explain like oh yeah we got like this transmission from uh, what was it peanut butter he can't, can't remember the name at first you know some prissy little robot <laughs> but of course they recorded it so the truth comes out peanut hamper had summoned the drukmani to come said like oh yeah you can come beam up these old ships you know get the parts uh, and don't worry about the the local population. They're all going to be a bunch of pushovers. This is this is the part that you know where they turn the <laughs> knife, where we we see her make Ralda cry when she's just like, yeah, like there's no way I would spend my very long robotic life on a freaking bird planet. <laughs> and it's just like she is just so mean and so terrible and such a such such an, an asshole. I'm just like, oh my god, I hate you so much. I felt the betrayal, and that's why I love this episode so much. It was like so incredibly effective. And, I know I've seen some people say like oh, I didn't like that I wanted it to be you know like the happy ending of her actually being redeemed but the episode's designed to make you want that and then like it is intentionally disappointing you here so that you get like the same gut punch that these characters experience you know like I, so good. Tindy Tindy's little heart is broken too because <laughs> she was like rooting for Peanut Hamper to redeem herself <laughs> and I like I like seeing that I love Tindy's excitement. <laughs> uh but then then here you know uh there's like no growth at all yes Peter has like no growth from, from like the, the, all of it was like a, a, a farce it was just like a big lie it was great <laughs> and and so i think i think part of the risk of this episode initially you know when i'm watching that i was like okay so they're kind of doing the the cliche the dances with wolves the avatar the 
what what people call the the white savior trope where your main character someone who's like from civilization goes and finds like these these friendly but primitive people but then like kind of starts to learn their ways and, and they actually become like the hero of all of them but it's like it's weird it's like okay why do you always have like this white european dude who has to be the the leader and the hero of of you know the the primitive people it it seems a little weird at times and I think it's a largely, uh, you know, dated trope that's, uh, and, and, you know, the Paradise Syndrome, the episode from the original series where Captain Kirk got bonked on the head and thought he was a Native American, uh, this episode definitely is is leaning into the Paradise Syndrome and borrowing a lot from there, but it, that's obviously yeah. a kind of an exploration into that, that territory that becomes like that white savior trope what i i think was really good about this episode of how they avoided that is actually by having peanut hamper not be the hero and subverting that entire trope and then having ralda rise to the occasion and actually be the, the hero by embracing his people's past and you know not living in fear of technology you just said yeah peanut hamper zero arc between you know she was an asshole in season one she's an asshole <laughs> here but rada you know he he learns yeah uh, he uh, he learned he starts out as like a uh mistrusting of peanut hamper and like you would you would almost call him like uh you know uh i, I don't know what would you call it? like like he had like racist well yeah he just you know he kind of he kind of them, you know, like... leaned in like the, the the dogmatic beliefs he had been raised <laughs> on you know even though his his right, father right, is kind of open-minded and seems to be you know a bit more progressive yeah no, uh, totally spot on. Uh, I agree. <laughs> That's a great. Point. And I liked his, you know, it, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's still kind of fun. But when he when he's powering up the ship and he's like for the flock, and like I don't know, I I love it. Like yeah, they gave him like this big hero stupid dialogue to say. Also, maybe this episode kind of like uh, has kind of improved that trope in a way because Peanut Hamper is not really like the white savior. Right, Peanut right, Hamper's right. They they, like, sub, they subvert Peanut, it. Peanut, Peanut, yeah, but also even still, like all. Peanut Hamper actually does help the society in a way, but that's because Peanut Hamper is a personification of technology. Like Peanut Hamper is like a sentient robot that can do anything with its replicator. It's it's pretty cool. Like it's a, I guess it's the technical savior now, uh, is what you could call it. The techno savior. But but is the, she's is the not a thing. she's not a savior at all. And I I I mean right. more is like being, more is right, a character exactly. who's like coded as white, not like we, not like literally a, episode, a Caucasian. This episode elevates the trope because the lesson is is that you are your own savior. The people save themselves by making the the right decisions, being an open society, like being a society that like didn't you know wasn't afraid. I think it's kind of a commentary on colonialism because you know she she shows up. She's like, oh, you dumb backwater primitive people. Uh, I'm advanced. I'm civilized. I'm just going to use you. I'm going to exploit you, which is kind of a real world real history tell as old as time of how colonialism exploits uh, other people uh even when uh, you know a lot of times they 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 actually come from you know pretty rich parts of the world and and actually have like a lot to offer and you know here when when rada by like you know embracing his his people's past and who they are he's able to be the the hero of the day so i thought that was kind of cool the way that they handled that that's pretty cool um I should point out that uh, you know our our friend uh, Giraffe over at the Strange New Pod podcast, um, she had some issues with how this episode depicted uh, you know quote unquote primitive people or primitives and and uh, took issue with you know Star Trek continuing to categorize I guess people that way. 
I definitely respect that stance on it. But, you know, for, for me, I, I think it's largely aware of that stuff. And, and I, I think it actually has like a kind of relevant social commentary, or at least that was my read on it. I feel like these writers are definitely making commentaries and like, you know, it's a very hip show. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like interesting tropes and homages and it goes beyond Star Trek. Uh, I think a lot of Solar Opposites fans were really happy with this episode because it felt like an episode of Solar oh, really? Opposites. I, I don't yeah, I've never watch watched that, Solar but, Opposites, yeah. but I, I heard some people right. say it, it, this felt similar to Rick and Morty. I think because maybe that show is like a bit more crude with like mm. that, that seems like a show where you're more likely to see like a bird alien make love to a robot. Right. <laughs> but uh, but but no, I, I mean, I like all that stuff here. And, you know, I, I can understand why some people might have been frustrated. But, you know, I think this is the best of the season. Yes, I liked last week's episode more. I liked going to Deep Space Nine more. But the season has been so incredibly impressive. And this episode impressed me the most out of everything else that they've done this year. Yeah, Lower Decks is awesome this season. And then what do you think of the uh, the tag scene at the end where we, uh, when, <laughs> when Peanut Hamper fells to summon the Borg to assimilate everyone, uh, she's taken to the Daystrom Institute and locked up, which I, every time they kept talking about like sending her to a penal colony, I was like, I wonder if they would like lock her up in the Daystrom Institute next to Agamus. That's exactly what the hell happens at the end of the episode. So. <laughs> Uh, this is awesome. It's setting up something really cool, I hope. I don't know if it's going to be this season. Do you think this is going to like lead into something cool with them teaming up happening this season? Or do you think this will be like next season? Type I thing? would be shocked if we see uh, Peanut Hamper and Agamus again Peanut in Hamper season again. three. Okay, I, I think I think yeah, they'll save totally them probably. for season four. <laughs> I mean, this was a lot of Peanut Hamper. Too much for some people. <laughs> so I, I, I think I think we're probably good on, on them until until next year, until season four. I, I, I think it'd be great if like they went and teamed up with Badgie and we had, you know, the three yeah. of them, the three of them together would just be bad news. You know, now now, Father, if you have a minute, canonically, if there is like a revolt of these like sentient what does it say there? Megalom? What is it like? These self-aware megalom? Megalom? Ah! Megalom? Now it's Earth <laughs> words. We're forgetting how to say. It's true. <laughs> Megalomaniac uh, uh, computers here. Uh, if they if it, if they do do some kind of revolt, that makes it like interesting to me because it would tie into like the distrust that like biologicals would have for synthetic beings it's this is a cool this is interesting i don't know but i just noticed there's uh i know we're not supposed to talk about the pictures but uh one of the robots in this picture that father has up has a cbs logo i think that's hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah and we saw them um before in season two <laughs> but yeah so that was our that was our story that was our peanut hamper uh with the oh uh was was it kind of like flirty between her and agamus when when agamus like he caught on to peanut hamper like oh that's a mathematically perfect name and then they can yeah, start like I think it was. laughing evilly together so 100 percent. yeah maybe maybe they'll fall in a evil robot love and they're totally gonna they're gonna totally do weird things together until they turn on each other that's how the heroes will will defeat them is they'll get them to they have to, turn to on interface each other. which means all of peanut hampers like maniacal plans will merge with agamus's maniacal plans imagine like I, I hope those are well shielded uh like compartments because if any one of them could get a little oh my gosh peanut hamper could replicate some kind of like device oh it's awful what's gonna happen <laughs> there's so many possibilities i don't want to even think about it i'm sure in season four something will happen with them something something could happen we should also point out that if we zoom out a little bit and look at the larger star trek timeline beyond just lower decks uh we are a, a few years before the 
burning of Mars and Star Trek Picard. You know, that happens in right. what? That's uh, 2385 or 86. So right. this is in 81 still. So, uh, you know, five years away from the synth ban getting applied. I can kind of see why there might be some mistrust of artificial intelligence within the Federation. You know, things like Agamus and Peanut Hamper kind of contribute to, to that. So the uh, the Tal Shiar infiltration of of Starfleet pushing for a uh, a ban on synthetic life. You know, this might be a might be some examples that they bring up to push their agenda. It it would be interesting uh to to see a, you know, a series of short lower decks that like explore like a uh someone said this, I forget it. I think it was on on the Twitter space I hosted, but or I forget where I saw it, but like a suicide squad of kind of version <laughs> with these like AIs uh and so, oh, so they're, like the they're gonna they're gonna come work the, for starfleet right for starfleet the federation used them to like do complicated things that need like comp- you know computational intelligence mm. of this caliber you know but it but it, but they can blow them up at any at any moment <laughs> and maybe some of them do get blown up you know it'd be fun well you know they some people wanted to put like a, a kill switch on zora on star trek discovery so oh that's right <laughs> but uh yeah do you have any other final thoughts on the episode no talking about it with you made me realize how deeply i love this episode <laughs> it's a really good yeah. darn episode i've seen it three times now and i've enjoyed it every single time and i've just like tuned into other nuances like i feel like everyone who who creates a show put a really a lot of work into it because you know appreciate the humor or not uh, i thought everything was fleshed out beautifully like and it's always cool in star trek to be introduced to new species in like this really really from a different perspective like i always enjoy it like when data like whatever you know when data was stranded and like making the the villagers sick so i like seeing that civilization through that lens you know like of the of the the wayward starfleet officer you know which is what this was uh freeman even says my wayward ensign you know like <laughs> i like i really enjoyed that it was tying into the the thing that you know what i what i consider lower decks to be a love letter to is that tng era and it felt very at home there and i like these like one-off things so yeah maybe the humor wasn't for everyone but uh if you can get past it i think it's actually a pretty delightful episode yeah and uh i would i would disagree and say that you know i i think lower decks kind of focuses more than just you know the next generation or or that area but kind of borrows a lot from all yeah, of like star original... trek and, and 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 to me this this was more paradise syndrome than than yeah, anything I else so. I, I think true. i think it definitely has like some roots with the original series but yeah you know there there's i think every show at some point they show someone you know, kind of stuck on a primitive society planet i guess the setting just is a huge chunk of that for me and so it's it's very near the tng it's just right there it's just like a few years after you know uh i guess voyager ended so so I like that. That's to me. That's that's it lives in that era, and I it reminds me of a lot of teen. There's just as much as it it harkens to TOS. It also I feel like equally harkens to TNG. I love it. <laughs> I'm trying to compromise. That's that Starfleet game. <laughs> oh, dip, diplomats. Diplomats. <laughs> I just I just don't like calling the 24th century the TNG era. Oh, okay, okay. What should we call the 24th it? century? <laughs> Fine, the 24th century. So is the 23rd century not allowed to be called the TOS era anymore because disco takes place there? In Strange New so Worlds and the animated series, yeah, we should just call it the yeah. 23rd century. Oh, you're so boring, Bobby. <laughs> boring. Blue. I think boring. that's uh, that's more accurate. <laughs> 
Fine, I'll comply. After all, this is your starship. <laughs> but uh, that's, I guess, everything on the episode. So I'm just going to go ahead and go into our Gorn Egg section of the show where we talk about all of the Easter eggs and jokes and continuity connections I found that I thought were worth sharing. Uh, starting off, we get that previously on recap which was uh, i think inspired by the way that they would recap in i guess specifically tng ds9 and voyager where it was always the computer doing it you know on enterprise because their computer didn't speak they would have archer or to paul or someone uh you know say uh, right previously on star trek enterprise but i, I think I, they actually what didn't they say last time what, wouldn't it be major saying last time on star trek deep space nine yes yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was definitely you know kind of like that same style with the uh, the blue TNG font that Loredex also uses. Of course, the uh, Drukmani coming back for the first time since Terminal Provocations, and JG awesome. Hertzler returning to voice the Drukmani captain. Uh, when Peanut Hamper is talking about you know her dad, who she mentioned in no small parts, she said she only joined Starfleet to make her dad mad. But right. uh, when she's talking about you know her family to Rada, she says that. She wanted to go be a Dabo girl on Free Cloud. Free Cloud was introduced in Star Trek Picard season one and Stardust City Rag. This is a this is a good one, and I see that we have a geek filter uh, Aaron Harvey in the the audience, so I'm sure he appreciated this as the man who uh, literally wrote the book on Star Trek the animated series. But when Peanut Hamper, you know, shows her true colors and tells Rada that yeah, she actually had no interest on remaining on this planet. As soon as she discovered there is options to, to get off world. And she said that his people were the, they were like the poor man's Aurelians. So the Aurelians were the, uh, the bird species introduced in the animated series. Uh, way back in the episode yesteryear, we see an Aurelian Absolutely. historian. You know, the, the Aurelians have shown up on lower decks, but to me, they look more like the other bird species from the animated series the score that we saw in the episode jihad i think it's jihad there's no the there but uh as uh aaron has pointed out online you know the the aurelians have uh what what he called the groin plumage <laughs> that the score do not have and the the aurelians are also you know kind of skinnier and scrawnier whereas the uh the score are a little bit more uh, the score are they're buff, they're thicker yeah. and if you look at uh how these two bird aliens look and compare them to the ones that we've seen in lower decks you know specifically in envoys or an embarrassment of duplers but th- the people making the show say that there are Relians, but they look a lot more like the score to me. So, uh, and and Aaron has been pointing that out ever since season one of Lower Decks. I think I think uh, Envoys was the first time that they they were shown. Well, uh, can you remind me what uh, what this new uh, avian species is called, Fonry? <laughs> how how to correctly say it? Oh, I I keep forgetting because I've heard it pronounced so many <laughs> different ways. But the Arior, right? <laughs> Thank you. The Arior are my favorite uh, Trek avians. I just want to put that on record. I love them. I love the owl-based design uh, uh, that they came up with. It's awesome. Aaron is saying in our live chat, if you go to the Memory Alpha page, you can follow Brad in my conversation about that. I love his oh, idea cool. that the Aurelian and Score come 
together again. Yeah, Aaron, remind us, uh, Brad, that's someone who works on Lower Decks, right? But uh, I That would be probably uh, Brad Winters. Okay, Brad Winters, perhaps. But yeah, I think the idea that they've come up with is that it was like a Vulcan and Romulan reunification that happened with the Aurelian and the and the score. So and I love that too, and I think that's a great headcanon that we should all adopt. And uh, Mike and company, if y'all are out there, uh, make that canonical in the show. Uh, Joel in our live audience is also pointing out, I was wondering if they were Zindi avian offshoots. And yeah, since the Zindi avians from Star Trek Enterprise, they all went extinct. Uh, there could have been some that, that showed up somewhere else. And, and Aaron confirms that is uh, Brad Winters that he was referring to. Nice. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's it for the gourd eggs. That was a light hatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, uh, not all of our hatchlings survived, perhaps. The for this incubation. episode, can we call them areola eggs? No. I mean, sorry, what is it? Error? <laughs> Uh, I I I just give up. I don't know. I don't know how to say any of these things anymore. Al, it's, Al- it's Raw Dog Al- and Al- Clitoris and <laughs> Areolas. And... Yeah. It's, uh... Oh goodness. Uh. They they were given them these uh, these names on purpose. They're just right next to those words. They're just right. <laughs> the actual names are just right next to those words that Father said, but it's not that. <laughs> but a very very divisive episode you know i i I loved it more than i'm sure 99 percent of the people who watched it but yeah i was i I was just blown away by this uh the lower decks you know leaning into that lower decks concept Uh, starfleet boy i I knew you were gonna love it because you're easy (laughs) let's be honest wow (laughs) dang no you just you just love star reputation you love star trek so much that you know they well, not to get cheesy, but there's so much Star Trek to love. Yes, no, I'm I agree sorry. with you. It's, it's 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 a it's a compulsion of mine, but I but I I'd rather be compulsed by this than anything else. Hmm. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear, you know, what whether people think about it though. If people want to uh, comment or you know respond to my tweets or sound off on the Text Trek Facebook page or join the Text Trek Discord server and talk to us about it there. Do you have some subspace transmissions I received last week about our Deep Space Nine episode, Here All Trust Nothing? I'm going to share some of these. Uh, Our friend uh, Earl Grey Trekkie said, absolutely the best ep of the season. Could that be nostalgia? I don't care. The station was rendered beautifully (laughs) and the voice performances were great. It was fun seeing Quark being Quark and great hearing Nana. Uh, Joanne Robertson said on last week's episode, it was really beautifully animated and really captured the look and feel of DS9. I also thought that the plot was very DS9. I am now watching DS9 episodes today while I recuperate. So yeah, you can't have too much DS9. Dan said, my favorite part was the ongoing bit between Shax and Kira. So much fun. Jay said, I was extremely excited for this week's episode. DS9 is my favorite Trek. And that cold open, the DS9 glamour shots with the theme was everything I wanted from this episode. And the interiors looked great as well. Here's hoping we see more of her. Yes, I am an advocate for more DS9 and modern Star Trek. Unplanned Trek said, I loved it. The theme music, the circling of the station, all of it. Uh, Rob1970 said, anything DS9 related, I am up for. So you see this? Paramount Plus people really love DS9. We would love to see more DS9. And, and you know, we have five Star Trek shows. Uh, let's go there on all of them. Hell, let's, let's see. Let's see if DS Nine still exists in the thirty second century. Let's do it on Discovery. I guess Strange New Worlds would have a hard time getting there. But <laughs> can we get? Can we get a like, like even just like a, a little bit of a 
project going for remastering it i don't know something like a committee yeah. can you tell us you know, about people, a committee? Start people a committee. seem like really bent out of shape <laughs> over that but my whole thing is like well if y'all had bought the uh the t- next generation blu-rays when they came Probably, out i buy all the blu-rays now everything i know because of you and i have to carry it with me everywhere <laughs> now Everywhere I go, the Blu-rays have to go with me. I was watching some DS9 earlier today, and I think the show looks great in standard definition. That's not as Someone important to me. Someone was telling me, me but... that Paramount Plus does upscale it to some degree, so I have to rewatch it. I haven't watched it in a while. I want to, I, haven't, I know that those things just get like updated across the board, so I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while on a TV. Uh, it's but my st- it's still standard definition. I'm watching it on a 4K TV. It's still standard definition. Oh, yeah, but I brought this up a couple years ago, and I was like, okay, this will shut up everyone on the internet. But then everyone just totally dismissed me and ignored me. But Mike Okuda at Star Trek Las Vegas was asked about... Uh, when was this? This is maybe 2019? But yeah, um, I saw Mike Okuda on a panel get asked about you know remastering Deep Space Nine. And he said, you know, there's a lot of people at Paramount that you know he talks to that are very interested in that. It's just like... It would just be so expensive to do it. They wouldn't be able to do it the same way that they did the next generation because that was, you know, a painstakingly expensive process. They didn't make their money back on the next generation Blu-rays. I think the artificial intelligence software will eventually get us to the point where it would be affordable for them to do it. You know, we just saw Warner Brothers remaster Babylon 5 for HBO Max using uh, some some AI software and some of the effect shots. And then they, they just used the footage on the shots that didn't have any effects. They just went to the original uh, film for that. Uh, that remaster was not great you know good show but like i i would expect a higher level of quality for star trek so i don't think that we're there yet but i think yeah eventually that'll that'll just naturally happen so for me like i'm not i don't think that's like a high priority to i'm like you know the biggest deep space nine fan ever i would love to watch the entire show in hd but i understand that paramount will never just do that out of the kindness of their hearts they're only going to do that if it's like affordable and profitable because that's how these giant corporations work they they just care about making money they don't care about preserving star trek or making sure that you know it's in like the most enjoyable format they're trying to figure out like you know how can we use this to make money for our shareholders so with that in mind i expect it will just happen whenever the ai software becomes uh cheap and easy enough that they decide to do it. I say to you, Fathery, that uh, uh, to to quote Kate Mulgrew, if enough people drum it up, drum up some attention about it, uh, it may uh, it may happen. But I I would say that like unfortunately they have opened Pandora's box because they were able to successfully remaster footage for the documentary uh, What We Left Behind, and it's so beautiful. Yeah. It looks so wonderful. So it's like you're kind of spoiled now, and like you're like if it doesn't look like that. You know, that was like kind of like a test launch and it was gorgeous. Like I can't But that's not a test launch because that's that, that wasn't like the it's effect a pilot shot. for the remaster. That wasn't the <laughs> like like all the CGI shots with the ships. No, I'm like, talking that... about just like to me that stuff is great. I don't mind like I want that to be more true of course to the uh, actual work that the people put in to to doing the effects the original uh creators but to me like seeing like the actual show remastered and i understand that like they filmed it so there's actually more to it so they were able to expand it for 16 by 9 somehow well the the show is actually shot in in like one of the dps because they they changed the director of photography at season three if i'm remembering correctly but you know one of them said that like they had they had made sure to frame everything when it was shot that it would look good in 16 by 9 or 4 by 3 so that's another possibility that like the show could be you know like re-edited into 16 by 9 but to do that you would have to go back to all the the original the original negatives on everything and re-edit everything together and which is what they did for the next generation but then when they had like 
you know, shots that had, like, effects composited in and stuff. They had to go, like, add, like, all those assets back together. It was a little easier on Next Generation because there's very little CGI. Uh, Deep Space Nine has a ton of CGI. Like, every time Odo morphs or everything with the ships from, like, season uh, five or, no, season six onward is, like, straight-up CGI. So, you know, with that stuff, you'd either have to use AI to upscale your existing stuff or just actually re-render it yourself. Which is what they did in the in the DS9 documentary. They had, like, that fan-made uh, recreation of the battle from Sacrifice of Angels. Maybe <laughs> someone can do, like, something that brings back some of the team that worked on it originally to supervise an upscale in CGI format or something like that. That could be cool. But again, you know, that's... Because then it would at least have their stamp of approval. Who's going to pay for that? No, I'm saying, like, <laughs> they're, they're consultants. Like, I don't know. I'm, ma- I'm like making it's very, stuff very, It's very, on. very expensive, so... <laughs> I feel like there's... Star Trek, there's no money in the Federation. There should be no... All the money in the world should be devoted to Star Trek. <laughs> Not all of it, but a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I would go that far. But, but yes, yeah, I would love that. But, you know, I just... A small chunk let's of just, money in the let's world. Just, uh, let's just be realistic is what I... I know, like, no one... I, I learned my lesson. Like, no one cares about realistic. People, I, I say this, people are just like, well, fuck you, I want DS9 HD now anyway. So it's like, okay, I mean, you can want in one hand and do something else in the other and see which one fills up faster. But but yeah, um, I, I think it'll just happen when it happens uh, because they're not gonna they're not going to spend a bunch of money for something that's not going to make a bunch of money, you know? That's just that's reality. I'm with uh, Kaka. Yeah, Jill saying I'm, I'm so, so glad, glad they did TNG. They did TNG. Yeah, I am too. Because as soon as they did that, they're like, "Fuck, that was a fucking mistake. Look at all this money we wasted. No one's buying these Blu-rays. Wow, we better I never ever Blu-rays. even think of doing this them. again." I have them. I have a German set though, which is weird. I thought I was buying <laughs> one of the, but it's okay. It plays fine in the Blu-ray, but some things are a little off. But mostly, it's fine. Well. If you look really hard on the internet, you can find uh, fan done HD remasters of all the DS9. Anyways, really, I yeah, oh. I think it's not quite up to snuff, but that's just that's just all my right. opinion. You should watch it and judge it for yourself. <laughs> uh, here's something uh, Geek Filter saying in the live chat though. He says, "I hate when someone says on Twitter, give us DS9 HD, cowards, or fill in the blank anything, cowards, so reductive." It's like, like yeah, like I don't, I don't think people understand. Like you know, it's not like someone at Paramount is just gonna like go like flip a switch and then like hey ds9's in hd now yay and you'll just put it on paramount plus for free and everyone can watch it yeah it's like i feel like those people just want an announcement you know some some kind of an like an announcement but is there's all they want, there's no plan say, like, to do it oh, this isn't there's no plan to do it anytime no, that's, soon. i think that's what they're trying to say i think that's what those people are prompting not like a oh give it to me now but i understand <laughs> i wouldn't call people cowards who work in the industry i respect them a lot more than that but i think i've used that joke bothery but not to i i roll my i you know i would love to see ds9 (laughs) hd but i kind of roll my eyes every time i see someone on twitter bitching about it so it's like it's gonna happen whenever it's you know affordable for it to happen and not until then so uh, i would just ask people to keep that in mind but yeah that's all i got we went on a long uh tangent on on talking about ds9 hd remaster but yeah what a debate we should do a whole side like conversation about this This i don't think it's i don't think it's worthy of a debate i think it's just like it's not going to happen unless Paramount thinks it's it's beneficial it to their happen. bottom line. No, so. <laughs> it, it could be, man. I'm just saying that's what my argument is. Okay. That's all. Well, we'll be back next week to discuss the uh, eighth episode of season three. We're getting close to the end. But yeah, it's going to be the uh, the sequel to Crisis Point. Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus, the, uh, the Brad Boimler movie. 
So that'll be fun to check out. This and, season is on fire. Yeah. I can't yeah, wait. I've, I've been incredibly impressed with season three. Uh, so far, it's turned out to be my favorite season of the show. And I, I think Lower Decks is starting to solidify its place as my... F- I don't I don't necessarily feel the need to like rank everything or like pick a favorite of everything, but it, it is starting to kind of feel like my favorite of the modern Star Trek shows. I like, I like all five of them, but yeah, this, this season of Lower Decks is hard to compete with. But yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week, 7 p.m. Central on Friday. Also, uh, join us tomorrow night. If you're watching us live on Friday, come back tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about the New York Comic Con news. But until next time, as always... Live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.